Guys, tonight we're talking Paddock State of the Union. Hey, welcome back. It's Thursday, trading desk. I appreciate you guys logging back in. No surprise, my uh, semi-regular co-guest, episode number two. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Good to be on here. Thanks for having me. This is Elena. Elena is a trader, just like myself. She buys, sells, and trades watches all day long. If you didn't watch the first episode, I highly recommend you go back and do that. Her debut, uh, you had your show, for those of you that know you, A to Z in the past. Back with, in the with day. Zoe, uh, which everybody was missing. So this is great to have you back. Thanks for having me. So, episode two continues. <laughs> um all right, yeah, perfect. So we're gonna roll, uh, we do wrist shots customarily right after. Um, I'll go first. Those of you that are listening on the podcast, which uh, is apparently relatively popular, this is the Bulgari Octo Finissimo in titanium. Uh, this one here is uh, special or quasi special. It's one of 200 pieces with the blue markers and the titanium. Um, I've had this for a few months and uh, loving it so far. Very slim. Is it? It's uh, your daily wear now. Not really. Um, I've it's been in the box for about ten days or so, and I just wore this blue shirt and was like, "How oh, am I not going to wear that watch while I'm wearing this?" So I pulled it back out. But it's it's an awesome daily. Um, aside from not really being water resistant, but it's kind of the dressiest watch that I own right now, I would say. But uh, it's super comfortable, micro rotor, nice and thin. I think you were wearing it last time I was on. You had just gotten it. Yeah, so no. maybe. But yeah, still super enjoying happy it. With it. Yeah. All right. Um, today I am wearing a JLC tribute to Deep Sea Chrono. This piece is a special edition, came out in um, 2012. Um, cool, you know, vintage kind of style, embossed leather strap. Um, you know, I was thinking about, I, we actually posted this this morning and um, I sold it to um, a very good friend of mine in New York. Um, right away and I was thinking about JLC a lot and it's it's kind of a brand that's um, definitely not you know gotten a lot of attention in the last few years and as Jason and I were prepping and sitting here we were kind of talking about what's going on with JLC which I think is interesting and you know their Polaris line which I guess is their their sport line now sure. now um, not getting the love that I guess they expected and so when I look back to this piece I just you know it was kind of a great combination of everything it has that vintage look to it it's versatile it could be dressy it could you know be worn with jeans um, and sporty at the same time so figured I'd bring it on we don't see them that often um, I think we had one probably about three months ago but um, came and went and we'll be off to a new home tomorrow yeah point in fact you said it went up today and was sold yep, immediately right away. so um, you know I think I've seen us have like two maybe three of those yep. in the last two years um, it's a cool piece although JLC does do a lot of those tribute pieces Maybe not this exact one, but there are other pieces like it out there. Um, but yeah, the Polaris, uh, I would equate to essentially, you know, Vacheron's uh, Gen 3 Chrono when it came out, except now that watch is hot. And I don't know that the Polaris will ever really make it there. But there, There's some nice um, configurations and some nice different models on there. But yeah, they JLC doesn't seem to be getting the love that they used to. Um, so we'll have to see what they come up with uh, over the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, similar to other brands that I've talked about when we've said like Omega, Breitling, what, what the real problem there, I think, is just they make so many different models. And if they were to scale back and kind of reconfigure what the families are mm -hmm. and spend more time on each individual one instead of pushing out the next model... They do a lot of things well. They don't do a little very well, you know, so. 
but what you want them to do. A fewer things them to do, and do them really them well have, and less variations. Exactly. I want them to have ten cool. core models and do yeah. and be fantastic watches. But which you know they do in in some respects. I mean, I think the reversos have done well for so many years and are so iconic. And um, there's some beautiful renditions of those that are they're still out and about and they're doing well. And I like the master collection as well. But Polaris, um, I again, I think we'll yeah. see. But anyway. That's what I'm wearing today. Nice. All right. So we got some stuff coming down the pipe for the for this episode. We're going to talk market on Paddock. We're going to talk about potential uh, bubbles, some inflation stuff. But there's going to be about 10 or 15 minutes at the end of this episode where we're going to answer some questions from the chat box. Cool. Um, so just get your guys, you get your questions ready. I do want to just jump in the box real quick because everybody, all of the, you know, very loyal guys that are always in here, Matt Forrester, John Defoe, uh, we're going to reach out, Luke, hey Luke, Kevin S, uh, Stormy D, pretty much all of, of the guys are in here all the time. I hope you're having a blast. JBO Surf, I see you in there. Hope you uh, guys get along. You know, they, they go back and forth <laughs> in a conversation and sometimes it's in a completely different conversation. Than what we're talking about, but, but that's it's okay. pretty awesome. Watches bring people together, so whether no, you want to yeah. talk watches or something else, at least you know. Listen, I will take the traffic. Yeah, okay? just make sure you're liking the video <laughs> as well, because uh, that helps. But all right, moving on. We, uh, you remember top five for the first time? I do. Yes. We have top five again, um, because we're going to move some questions at the end of the show. I want to just kind of run through top all five right. real fast. Got it. So look at that. Uh, Whoa, okay. number two, shocker. Yeah, number two is weird, but. Uh, all right, so one uh, one paddock on there, so kind of the theme of the episode. But uh, all right, number five, Omega Speedmaster, very iconic Speedmaster. Um, you know, we've talked last week specifically, or was it last week or the week before with Mike Michaels? We talked about Speedmasters. Um, you know, pretty inexpensive, iconic watch, really hard to beat. Um, so for me, if you're going to spend you know three grand, Speedmaster is an awesome way to go. Yeah, I mean that. I'm surprised that's not higher right now with, you know, the anniversary and stuff going on. Um, Omega's right. having a moment right now, so not surprised that's there. Yeah, definitely click-worthy. Uh, number four, the most sought-after Rolex, I would say, on the secondary market. Uh, you can see here this sold um, in between us prep prepping this and getting it up, it sold. So that's the uh, 116500 LN Ceramic Daytona with the white dial. Um, I personally like the black dial a little bit better. I I'm a white dial have. person on this. Yeah? Yeah. I, I I think I like the white dial on the 2-0 better, but on this piece with the black ceramic bezel, I favor the black dial. I just, I, I like the graphic nature of it, yeah. you know. It's handsome. Um, number three, why don't you tell um, us about that. Paddock Grand Comp, which... Cool watch. Uh, I think Grand spelled Looks like it's, that. yeah, it looks like... Um, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Looks like waitlisted at this moment. Um, this piece right here, so in particular, uh, grand comps, and it's going to go towards the context of the conversation. Right now, uh, a lot of my customers are really looking for grand complications. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, honestly really super excited to see that and not a Nautilus up there. Yeah, so... Like, can we talk about... Well, we're going to spend the yeah. whole time talking about it, but can we talk about something else? So um, I'm really happy... Uh, the, for the, So we don't know what the top fives are right before yeah. they drop on the screen. So I'm really happy to see a, a grand complication annual calendars, grand comps, anything that's aside from uh, an old world time only non-hacking steel sport watch, um, super happy to see for Paddock right now. So that's waitlisted for good reason. Someone snagged that up. Number two, uh, I don't know, dare we say one of the ugliest Rolexes ever Yo, created? 
I, I generally Speechless. like the Pearl Master. I think it's a pretty, a relatively pretty design. This one looks like somebody got a hold of it and just went to town. It's just I, such I just, a specific like person that would buy that watch and um, I guess not as specific as I think because a lot of people are clicking on it. When I look at that watch, I see the watch that dealers force on people to buy number four. So we'll leave that at that. But <laughs> number one, uh, Vintage GMT Master Two. These are these are definitely picking up steam over the last four years or so, three years. Um, what's funny is the between the Coke and the Pepsi, everybody you know the Pepsi obviously demands the market. The Coke's kind of like the the one you get left with. I honestly think that the inverse will be true in a few years. I think the Cokes are cooler, and they have they have this really cool like. They're still playful, but they're not. They're more serious than the Pepsi's, which I which I enjoy about them. It make takes it back to it being a utility tool watch. Um, but I've always I've always kind of liked the Cokes. Your thought? I, I I like the Coke too. Um, generally, I you know like black on things. I wear black all day long. Yeah. Everybody would tell it's, you that. So um, to me, it's you know more aesthetically pleasing, and you know the pop of the dial when you get it like that. Again, the graphic nature similar kind of to the Daytona. Um, but you know, it's it's definitely a personal preference thing, and I think the cool thing it happens with the Cokes too. But I think the fading of the blue on a lot of the Pepsi's is is really unique, and like when they turn purple, um, I'm definitely you know not that well versed in the vintage world, but um, I think it comes down to personal preference, what people like, and I, I'm with you. I like the Coke. All right. So similar to the uh, to like number four, I think that uh, both of these watches are very very iconic and they will be for a very long time number four is obviously just through the roof right now because yeah. it's the watch right now but you got our, uh the gmt masters both the coke and the pepsi have never been worth more money than they are right now yep. so run for the money from retail because they were really really cheap back in the day versus you know this it's that's skyrocketing all right so that's top five not so bad that pro master is really interesting to me yeah it's i bad. would never expect the, that up there i've i've seen in person that exact watch button, the full rose gold, and it's something too. We have another segment which we're not doing on this episode called WTF watches, and I don't know that that's quite one, but it's no. it's a spectacle. Again, the right person. You gotta you know what you're wearing when you're wearing that, and you know what you're doing. You're you're peacocking all over the place when you're wearing <laughs> that watch. All right, we are gonna do it this or that poll. Uh, it's kind of what we do. You beat me last time, I believe. I sure did. I don't. I. Uh, this time, I don't think I have a chance, but... No? I think you do. I think you're, it's a good pick. Anyhow, I did wrist shots first, so I'll let you go first for this or that. All right. So, the theme of it was... We actually have... Well, actually, you know what? It was your pick again. Introduce it, and then I'll talk about mine first. All right. So, the the idea with talking about Paddock and what we, we kind of stepped on earlier is all the steel stuff, all the hype behind the stuff that you can't get... All of our customers are now starting to look at value propositions. What can I get other than that? So that pick was, there was no price range. It was just, what's a unorthodox paddock that you would pick and Hard actually sale. have in your, yeah. What's the quote unquote dog, right? That everybody sees the watch and goes, I don't know, that you would actually have in your collection. And I have my pick for a very long time in the back of my head has always been you know, a possibility. And when I mentioned it to you right away, you were like, I know, I know what it is. So uh, why don't you tell us what your, your hard sale watch was? Sure. So um, a Paddock La Flame. Um, I have a thing, like I love little dress watches. Mm -hmm. And I think in this day and age, um, 
you know, women go for more oversized watches, which we talk about quite a bit, but there's just something to be said about having like a dainty dress watch. And to me, this watch is so, so gorgeous. Um, obviously there's different variations of it. They do it with diamonds. They do it without diamonds. They do full case set, full bracelets. Um, this I think is the right amount of diamonds. Um, got has it on the bezel, a little bit on the bracelet. Um, the construction of the bracelet is beautiful. Um, we were talking about the hands, and I don't know if you can zoom in on this, since it's such a little dial, but um, it has these twisted hands, which kind of look like candy, which I think just, you know, it's such a fun little dress watch. I would definitely wear it to a, um, a black tie event, not an everyday watch, but um, you know, I, I love it. I would put it in my collection for sure. It's a pretty piece. It's definitely- it's beautiful. Um, you know, it's funny because I made a joke right before we went live that both of these watches look like they could have been like our grandparents, grandparents. like, <laughs> uh, you know, handed down to either one of us. And so real quick, I just I know I'm, I don't want to volley for her vote, but to do that justice, <laughs> the bracelet is actually like beautifully woven. Yeah, uh, it is. It's, it's, it's really, really cool architecture. It is a tiny little dress watch, but when it's, you know, the small black dress and just the watch makes the outfit like I think this is. It's a cool piece. Yeah, you also like think about Cartier that's re-released, um, you know, the Panther and whatnot. And I feel like it, it does have that feel. Like I could see it stacking with diamond bangles and like, you know, really dressing it up and, and wearing it. It's probably more versatile than I'm giving it credit for. But um, to me, it would be the perfect like little black dress. I think it's um, watch. important when you see the value proposition in that for an all gold watch that is relatively timeless. I mean, it's a pretty design that stands alone. When you look at what uh, Steel Paddock 24 yeah. cost, and you know, that's also kind of like, like a dated design, but but timeless, uh, which might be contradictory, but it's it's just, you know what it is when you see yeah. it, you know? So this is my pick. I actually, we have this piece in the R, in the rose, so I pulled it. This is the 5109. I have always liked this tank. Um, applied Breguet markers, you can see the blue. Um, very, very pretty piece. Actually a pretty good size on the wrist. A lot of like paddock traditional people will say this is a big watch, too big. For me, I think this is perfect. If you are into like the Reverso 1931 size, this is an excellent watch. Manual wound, just nice, simple tank, traditional paddock for not a lot of money. I mean, you can pick these up. I personally, I don't know if I said this already, the white gold version. Um, has this really really pretty dial which if i was going to buy one would be the white gold i would go with the white gold too the the contrast on the markers of the white dial is a little bit more stark but the rose is actually pretty and i just want to so i have a seven uh right now a seven and a quarter inch wrist and you guys have seen like 44 millimeter panerize on me some mariners obviously the bulgari it does like wear similar to some of the reversos and it's I would so hands down ultra thin like it is really thin and it it really does look nice on the wrist much nicer than you would think it does so hands down i would buy this before i bought like a 1931 just the reverser is cool but there's some you know I mean, it's a solid gold paddock what do you what do you want it's really really cool so you know if you can get these for 12 to 15 grand depending what they are and i think it's a uh, you know some people would say it's a dog some people would you know have to find their way, their reason to buy it, but I've always kind of liked this model. So I knew exactly what I was going to pick when we came <laughs> up with that. It's funny, we both had that reaction. Yeah. Picking, knowing exactly what we were going to pick. They're both good watches, but also equally bad as well, which is kind of the point. But uh, did we 
do a poll today? Do we have a poll? I don't know if we can pull up the results or just pull up the watch that's in the lead. Seems to be the MO. Anytime? No? Can't do it? <laughs> All right. No problem. Moving right along. So um, I'm actually reading a, uh, a note here. It says that the 5109 is, is by far winning. So uh, You know what? It, it was like a hard, it was a hard. I totally just made that up. This or that to have. You might be winning. I don't know. I made that up. You can't see it on your screen? No, I just made that up. Oh, okay. Sounded good, though, right? We'll All see, right. I guess. Main topic of the show. Is the paddock bur bubble bursting? A lot of talk about this. So this week specifically, well, more like last week and this week, but, um, you know, obviously a big part of what we do daily is talking to customers and market and, and kind of figuring out where stuff sits, but we deal with a lot of dealers too. We do. We talk to a lot of dealers. We have to have our, you know, finger on the pulse of the market. Don't want to get, you know, we move millions of dollars back and forth and back and forth, right, between customers and buying watches and in the scheme of, of the year. Yeah, and worldwide offices, I mean, different markets, um, right. different customer bases. And what's, what's funny is that the worldwide market gives us a unique perspective because the U.S. Is, seems to always kind of be behind. Um, and, and that's everything. That's fashion. That's, you know, just trends, uh, you know, financial markets, stuff like that. So what we're seeing is, is the bubble going to pop? Not right now. Are we on the brink? Probably not. Are we on the idea of talking about it? I think so. So I think we're probably, you know, we're not pumping the brakes, but I think we're probably two years away from seeing significant changes. Um, but what we are seeing is a lot of dealers being a lot more careful about throwing out fifty and $60,000 numbers for Nautiluses. It's a weird time of year to start talking about it, though, because, you know, I think we forget sometimes that we're in, you know, the dead of the summer. Um, generally, sure. retail slows down. July 4th happens. People are on vacation July and August. Um, so I think it's a it's a tough time to start having the conversation. And I think it's interesting that the conversation is ha being had. I mean, do you think that we're at the, the peak of the market? I think I guess that's the, the question you asked before. Is it going to pop? Are we at the top? I think that you're, yeah, I think that the market is, like there might be some, so coming to December, coming to Christmas, you might see a little bit more creep. I don't think it's if if you're holding the watch right now because you think it's going to double again, that's not going to happen. Yeah. If you're holding the watch because an extra percent makes sense for you, which the opportunity cost of having that money in a market to me is greater than holding onto the watch for an extra percentage point. If I had a 5711 blue dial right now that I had at retail, 100% would be gone. Hmm. I think right now market is is towards the top of where it's going to go and I wouldn't want to be caught on the downward side of that slope, right? Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to be. But again, it's, it's hard to say what happens when you start hitting September and October and holiday season um, and inventory starts moving again. You know, right now I think inventory gets kind of stagnant. So you look on Chrono24 and it looks like pieces aren't moving. And it's because people aren't buying as rigorously as they do throughout the year. So, you know, for me, I would never want to make any assumption or say anything until we hit the fall um, and see kind of how the holiday season goes. Um, I have to imagine that we're somewhere near the top, not to say that it's going to crash because who knows how long it will ride the wave. Um, but obviously a lot plays into that, you know, economics, global, everything, everything plays into it. So, yeah, it's, we'll it's an interesting conversation. It's fun to speculate on. 
when we see a little bit more behind the curtain than most people do, it's not scary, right? Because so it's scary if you just spend sixty grand on a on a fifty seven eleven, because you might be six months away from it being a fifty thousand dollar watch. But I don't know that it's you know obviously that number is just a guess. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later though. When I say two years, I think the watch I think a fifty seven eleven is a forty five thousand dollar watch in two years is what I would guess. It's interesting though, cause you know, the markets change. Um, they go up and down in different areas. So, you know, we're as well versed as we are in, in the areas that we're in, you know, we, we have offices in Hong Kong. So we hear a lot about what's going on in Asia, but you just, you know, you don't know. And as markets open up, for example, you know, if, if it becomes easier to get things in and out of Russia, like who knows? Right. Who knows where the need for the watches will be and, and what happens. It could change. It could We could have to pivot to play placate to different markets. So I understand exactly. what you're saying. Um, what I'm seeing from, you know, the core five or six guys that are buying real paddocks from me, and I've heard from other dealers and from even, even you and other people on the sales floor, what they're looking for is, is real bang for the buck. What's yeah. the scale? So, hey, Jason, you know, listen, I know we talked about that that 15300 AP and it's got the second hand and it's cool but I'm sp- I'm going to pay $30,000 for a steel 39 millimeter watch what else can we get you know that's the yeah. conversation on a daily basis you know uh very good customer of mine just bought a uh little 36 millimeter perpetual calendar and he was all sport watches you know like all the all the watches right and is absolutely in love with the piece for what you get for the money how is it how can you beat that so value proposition which is what we talk about on the show i mean yeah and the need you know right now we we're not talking about it in regards to trends but the trends are in sport watches right now we've seen it all over the place you look at you know ap you look at nautiluses but at some point the trends will change and then what will dictate the market you know will we ever go back to what paddock is is known for and best at is you know complicated um, annual calendars, perpetual calendars, um, fine metal strap watches, like at some point, will that, you know, change the market as well? I think it has. To, I mean, I think yes. I think the answer to that is in a couple years, four or five years, we could be talking about everybody going after those, you know, perpetual calendars with the crazy complications and, and grand comps that they're known for and that they really have the market. I, I do think that it's going to be harder for Paddock to step back into that arena when you know Jorn of the industry Laurent Ferrier yeah, they have all this space right now and are, are buying up all of that equity in the middle of the market because brands like Paddock are, are you know have gold on their hands with 5711s and Aquanauts it's much easier uh, for independence you know uh, Dave Bethune is blowing up right now I mean David every single day somebody asks me about a Dave Bethune hmm. which has never happened before it's crazy so obviously, Jorn is kind of like a household name for for watch collectors right now. Everybody, I mean not everybody, but most people know Laurent Ferrier. I think Dave Bethune is the next blow up. Um, Which again, once those brands start to get the attention, like you said, they're they're definitely definitely gaining relevancy and and people are getting interested in. But you know, what does that do to the paddock game? You know, will people start going back and saying, you know? I want a grand comp, I want perpetual calendar, I want something that's not a sports watch. Um, I'm super interested. So, you know, we're, we talk about this daily and we're pretty 
you know, involved in it. I would be interested to know what people are saying here in the chat because, you know, as a consumer, there's probably a different opinion and a different perspective. Sequan Gottlieb, I love you. You're a crazy man. But uh, it says, buy what you love, doesn't matter. So, yeah, I mean, to, to an extent. But my my counter to that is, yes, you have to love what you buy. And you have if you're going to wear it, it's because you love the watch. But everybody, doesn't matter uh, if you're going to sell it later. doesn't matter if your decision is based on you don't care what the market is. Everybody wants to know that what they're putting on their wrist or what they're spending their hard-earned money on has some kind of value. Whether or not it's it's residual because you're gonna resell it or not, yeah, you still want to know that the thing that you covet has some absolutely, you know, that's what a luxury good is, right? So whether it's you're never gonna sell it, and it doesn't matter if it's worth ten dollars, you still want to know that it holds some semblance of of luxury. Um, so, but I do agree with you. It doesn't make sense to keep something on the wrist if you don't love it, which is, I guess, part of the problem because guys love flipping stuff. Yeah. All right. So legitimately, Watchbox Studios here in the chat box says uh, Jason winning by nine votes. So didn't make that one up. Come on, guys. Guesstimate. Please don't let me lose. All right. Um, YouTube watch guys talk almost exclusively about markets these days, like they're stockbrokers or something. No one talks about watches for watches' sakes. That's funny because there's a gentleman uh, who works for our channel called Tim Masso who only talks about watches all the time and happens to be the best at it. I also think, you know, it's a it's representative of the times and the climate in the watch world. Um, you know, I think for all of us, we're here because we love watches and we love watches more than the market. We're not just here because, um, you know, we care about the market. We want to talk about watches and we want to talk about watches right. in a more thoughtful manner. But the conversation and the bigger convo just generally is, is the market. And, you know, whereas I used to get tons and tons of calls about a whole range of watches, people would call me about JLCs, they wanted to talk about IWCs, Omegas, Breitlings. Um, you know, those calls come in a lot less than they used to. And when they do, most of the people have already educated themselves about the watch. And I think we talked about this a little last time, but there's so much content out there, which is amazing. Um, somebody like Tim provides the world with so much information on these watches that usually by the time they get to us, not everybody, because some people still want to talk to it, but a, a lot of people are just here to talk about pricing and they're here to talk about the market. So, you know, we're playing the role that we're asked to play. There are, um, yeah, there's definitely that conversation on a daily basis where someone asks about, you know, a Rolex that we're not going to be able to get them and, and doesn't understand why they can't get it. And that's that's a fine conversation to have because it's just education. But like you were saying, there's so much content. I will also, just to the last question, point out the fact that the episode the, that you're currently watching, the channel is called The Trading Desk. So it's built specifically about the market. Very good point. <laughs> so, but yeah, if if on a serious note, and not trying to, you know, if you don't watch Tim's uh, watch review videos, so Tim has his show where he has a bunch of watches on, the actual reviews channel with just the individual watches about, you know, the individual reviews, 10 minutes each about each watch are awesome for They're, learning about the watches. We just were watching one before we, we went yeah. on. They when I don't awesome. know about something, uh, I, I look for Tim's video. Ditto. So, all right. That, I think, um, you know, so just to recap, the market's super volatile right now. Don't think that we're looking at anything long-term in terms of, of an uptick. I think we're probably approaching the idea of talking about a downturn in the market soon. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I think that that would only, there has to be a market correction and I'm for saying, the health of our industry. 
I'm pleading the fifth until we hit September. I want to see what happens through okay. the holidays. I mean, fair enough. This I is think a slow time of year. That for the health of what we do, there has to be a change. There has to be a market correction. And to your point about um, one of the things that I hold dearest about what we do and I, and I love about watches, to your point earlier, is our generation is very much like a throwaway society. So when your phone gets slow, you get a new one. When your car breaks down, you get a new one. You know, it's very much like I just get another one. And the thing for me is, like, this will be around forever. That's sure what will. I like about it. This, I mean, this undoubtedly, even my watch, any watch that I own, like, undoubtedly is going to outlive me mm-hmm. and the next person that has it. So I, I kind of, I think that's cool. And same thing too. can be and said I, for know, cars or whatever. You yeah, know? well, cars kind of. I'm a car guy, so, you know, I got my... Got yeah. my project. I think watches um, will definitely. Watches I mean, for sure. That's why we're here. But, <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you guys got questions and, and you already put them in there, I would ask, you know, maybe retype them or repaste them because uh, scrolling through all this is it's an active, convers- active chat. How about you? See anything in there worth uh, reading out loud? I'm just looking here. Part of the hobby is the watch hobby. Part of. Part of the hobby of watch hobby, it's weirdly written, is the market. If you aren't paying attention to the market, then you're not understanding watches in general. Uh, to, an, to an extent, I think it's definitely important to understand multiple aspects of your of your hobby of collecting something. So, you know, understanding value retention is important, but also falling in love with movements and who makes the watches and what they represent and the ideal behind what you're wearing is important too. So there's two folds there. It's hard to do both. It's hard to read these questions. <laughs> That's okay. Find a question. I'll entertain them. Uh, oh, they'd rather probably look at you. But anyways. I don't um, see a ton of questions. A lot of comments. Am I missing them here? Can people type them at the bottom? Is the Aquanaut included in your thoughts about the paddock market? Absolutely. I think that the Aquanaut will follow. The Aquanaut, I think, is destined to follow all suits that have to do with the Nautilus. So... If the Nautilus goes down, the Aquanaut comes down. I generally, and I've said it before, I've always liked the Aquanaut better than the Nautilus. If it's one for one and I was going to choose one, I think the Aquanaut is a more well-rounded, wearable type watch. And it would be the I one would that would stick that. In, my converse, in my collection. But, um, you know, it's kind of the stepchild of, of the conversation. So if the Nautilus goes up, the Aquanaut goes up. If it comes down, same same should hold true. Uh, maybe not like a travel time versus a, a, a you know a time only, but... For the most part, um, Clive says the winter is coming. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm gonna go ahead and say that's a Game of Thrones reference. I think um, so. I hope you know I'm not a big winter fan, being from Fort Lauderdale, but you know we cope. Last one wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. The first one was brutal. When we first moved here, it was bad. Maybe you was just more sensitive because you had just moved up here. Uh, Last year was not so bad. Yeah. No. Um. And I, Hunter but, Martin says, I daily wear a Speedmaster racing uh, in a machine in a machine shop. Um, do you think it is wise to expose a luxury watch to such an abusive, uh, abrasive environment? Uh, just love to wear it. So listen, I uh, no, I think wear the watch. I would be careful, like um, any heavy vibration, any if you're working with magnets. I don't know what kind of machine shop, um, but. Watches can be serviced. I mean, I've seen watches destroyed. They can be brought back to life. So if you love wearing it, and wear it. 
Here's one that I think is interesting. O'Neill Miller, does Paddock even care who their true customer is? Is the 5711 customer a Paddock customer? Yes. I think that Paddock probably cares more about who their customer is than any other company that exists. A thousand percent. I think the problem is that a lot of the dealers that sell the watches maybe don't care who the customer is. But Paddock is very, very sensitive about who ends up getting the watch, and they're and they spend a lot of money and a lot of trouble trying to figure out where the watches are going and, and making sure that they end up in the right hands. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, I don't think there is a brand out there that cares more about who their client is um, and who is wearing their watch. Um, I think they put a lot of time and energy and, and money into making sure that these pieces go into the right hands, which is where um, you know the secondhand market gets a little gray. But um, I think they, they care quite a bit. Um, that was a good question. Yeah, that's a great question. Nice catch. Kevin S., Speedy Platinum. Thoughts? I like the watch. I think it's cool. Uh, you, you, have you seen this piece? Platinum. So it's a platinum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Platinum case, uh, 321, which is super cool. Very cool. Uh, moon uh, meteorite. So moon rock meteorite, which, which is neat. Um, I like the watch. It's going to be stupid expensive. Uh, so in that case, very I mean, expensive. But yes. um, I, I saw there was a bunch of questions on the last uh, Omega episode that I did with Mike Michaels um, about 321s in steel watches, and I do think that will eventually happen. I probably probably like two years away though. Mm-hmm. You would be insane to release uh, a 321 in steel right now. You might yeah, as well milk that for me- for a year or two. Make no sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you're right though. Eventually, we'll put them into the um, mm-hmm. steel cases. You also got to, like, Omega sells every Speedmaster that they make. We sell every Speedmaster we get. It's not like it's hard to sell a Speedmaster. So for them to throw a 321 in a Speedmaster would make no sense. But, um, all right. I'm telling you, it is hard to, I don't know how you're finding these So for me, it's like, I want to read the question, but the chat box keeps moving up. So it's more (laughs) about keeping it. All right. Purity of Essence says, I have an opportunity to buy Speedy uh, from the Earth to Mars edition. With faded sub dials uh, at a very generous price, is it worth it? Does the faded dials add? Um, so this is more of a question of like vintage versus mint. I don't know if you dig it, then go for it. If you think it's a fair price, which you typed here, or a generous price, then I would say that the income is is equally dispensable to you. And if you love the watch, get it. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Yeah, Let's and you know, see. like talking about us talking about the market, I mean, there is something just to be said about loving a watch and wanting it and wanting to tell the story of it. And um, what's yeah, what's it going to do to you if you pass on it? And you don't get it. Is it going to change everything? Then buy the watch. If it, if you'd be the same either way, then there you go. All right, uh, Watchbox Studios saying that we're almost out of time, so get your votes in, which is true. I think I'm going to lose this one. Um, I may not come back on if I lose. Really. Just That's kidding. I'll be back on. <laughs> All right, guys, start voting for Elena. We definitely want her back on the episode. I forfeit. Um, Ahmad, very good uh, customer of mine and friend, uh, says that they can double the price for the three and put the three twenty one. I guess. I mean, wouldn't you rather have uh, a value prop three twenty one in two years than having the watch now? If you if money is not an object, then go buy the platinum piece. I'll get one for you. No problem. Text me. <laughs> um. All right, let's see here. I wanted to see the poll. The Speedy uh, Speedy Reduced is selling very cheap at the moment. Your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, Speedy Reduced are 
are a good opportunity if you're okay with a smaller watch. They're not in the strictest sense like the uh, the real Speedmaster, you know. But if you're good with the size, then you get a good price point. We actually talked about that last time I was yeah. on. I, I have no real problem. I wouldn't wear a Speedy Reduced. Um, I think the regular Speedmaster's case size is perfect. But there are some cool variations that don't exist in the regular watch. So, All right. I think that we are going to call it. I don't. Uh, you wanted to see the poll. I don't know that we I can pull it, it up. Uh, you're did winning. You? All right. We don't need to talk about it. End of show. End of show. We're done. All right. Listen, guys, I uh, really appreciate you logging in for a live episode with very special guest, Elena. Always good to have on. Um, if you haven't yet liked the video, uh, subscribe. We're at 87,000 and some change. We're trying to get to 90 sometime soon. Let's go ahead and make that happen. Uh, follow up next Thursday. We'll do this again. Something like that. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank you.